How can we as moms and moms-to-be who are more overwhelmed and worried than ever about our kids find natural, safe, effective, and real-life ways to nurture and cultivate amazing human beings? That is the question, and here are the answers. This is the Parent Coffee Talk, and I'm Dr. Roseanne. I'm Dr. Cleopatra. Let's get started. Hi, Dr. Roseanne. Hi, Dr. Debbie. So good to be with you today. So great to be here. I know. Welcome, everybody, to the Parent Coffee Talk. And we have another one of our special friends, our awesome friends. Yes, um, Dr. Debbie Silver. And she is an East Coast. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm West at the Coast beach now. Representing yeah, she's a beach lover. She's going to be a West Coaster at some point. All of us that. are beach lovers. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to read your bio. Because uh, you have such an interesting path. You, I know you started out as a wellness person, and now um, you have your PhD in positive psychology, right? Uh, transformational. It's transpersonal psychology. So that's the psychology of transformation and human potential. Amazing, right? Um, and you you help so many people with different things, but I know one of your specialties is betrayal and post-syndrome mm-hmm. post, um, syndrome betrayal. And so I know you're a mom of four kids and six dogs. Ooh. I know I see you on social with your six dogs. And I think, wow, that's a lot of work. It's a lot of love. <laughs> that a is lot a lot of, lot of love. <laughs> it's like, a, it's seriously, now it's like a geriatric ward here with all of them. Cause they're, they're getting very old and it's, it's getting a little crazy. There, some of some are deaf. Some just don't even care anymore. It's, but it's all oh, good. No. Yeah, they're, like, they're all good. It's all, it's all good. good. You love them up. Craig, that's your family. Yeah, yeah. I know. You're a holistic psychologist, a health mindset, and personal development expert, and the author of the number one best-selling book, Unshakable Woman, Four Steps to Rebuilding Your Body, Mind, and Life After a Crisis. I know you did for your PhD a study on how we experience betrayal, and you made three ground-breaking discoveries that change changes how long it takes to heal. You've been on, you're a two-time TED Talk expert. You've been on Fox, CBS, the Dr. Oz. Your TED Talk on post-betrayal syndrome was just incredible. Oh, like it was, I was riveted when I saw it. And we would love to do a deep dive into betrayal mm-hmm. because as you and I have had the pleasure of talking about, I don't know anybody that hasn't had this in mm-hmm. some relationship. So tell us how you got interested in it. Sure. And I'm so glad you said that because whether we've been betrayed by a family member, a partner, a coworker, a friend, self, that's huge. And we don't realize how this has an impact on our health and our work and our relationships. And we've heard time heals all wounds. Oh, no, it doesn't. Not with betrayal. Betrayal only heals when you face it, feel it, heal it. It's definitely, it's huge because we're never betrayed by people we don't know. It's by the people we're closest to. And when the people we trust the most prove untrustworthy, you know, who do you trust? When the ones you run to when other people are causing harm are the ones causing the harm, where do you go? So that's what happened to me. At first, it was a horrible family betrayal. And you're, you're shocked, you're blindsided. That's the word once you've been betrayed. And then, you know how the universe works. I didn't quite learn the lesson I was meant to learn. So I had another opportunity. This time it was my (laughs) husband and it was 
devastating. We've been together since 1984. Uh, shock, devastation. And so I got him out of the house so I could think clearly. I'm like, okay, let's just see what happens now. And it was so crazy. And, and there's so much that I learned because of that experience. But one of the first things I did, bizarrely as this sounds, was I enrolled in this PhD program in transpersonal psychology. And here's why. I was like, you know what? I was never even on my own to-do list. Like, it's always been about everybody else. I didn't have any wow. boundaries. Say that again, Debbie. Yes. Never on my own to-do list. And I want the moms to hear this because this is so, or and dads, so important. We're so busy taking care of everybody else and, and worrying about everybody else and never considering our own needs. And by the time it's our turn, we're so exhausted, there's nothing left. And that was me. I was running a business and, and four kids and six dogs and, and all of this. And I put myself less. So I guess it was this in this attempt to say, no, 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 you know what? Now it's my turn. Mm-hmm. And this was divinely inspired. Here I am now taking this, doing this PhD program because I really did it because I wanted to understand how the mind works and why people do these things and how I can heal. So then it was time to do this study. So I studied betrayal. What holds us back? What helps us heal? And what Mm -hmm. happens to us when the people closest to us lie, cheat, and deceive? Mm -hmm. That study led to these three groundbreaking discoveries. And I can share what they were, but what was so interesting was I was transforming before my own eyes. I was becoming, it's, it really is to truly heal. You have to lose your identity. You can no longer be that version of you. And what's so interesting was he, my husband on his own, it either shows you who you really are, or it shows you who you had become. And it gives you the, the biggest wake up call. So he was transforming on him, his own. And I was like, well, that's nice and all, but you know, and I was just <laughs> doing my own thing. I, I got the, you know, soccer league to get to. I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to stay to the plan, right? Yeah, that's it. And that's what I did. And, and, you know, it's so in- interesting because betrayal shatters all trust. You don't trust, of course, you don't trust your betrayer. You don't trust yourself because I'm like, I'm a bright person. How did I not know? How did I not, how did I not see? Mm-hmm. So this is what was so common with people in the study too. We reason at least we could trust in something bigger. So whether that's God, the universe, source, energy, anything. So I saw an intuitive coach who has since become a dear friend. And I walk in and the first thing she says, she's like, oh my gosh, how you two planned this. She's like, you needed something so catastrophic to crash and burn. He needed to have something so big so he could become the husband, the man, the father that he is supposed to be. And you needed something so huge so you can heal and then teach from this deep place of knowing. You're going to have books. You're going to open this big institute. You're going to have this huge following. And I'm like, you're crazy. Every single thing she said is. So we both did our own healing. So cool, Deb. Not not long ago. Love that. Yeah. And not long ago, we married each other again. I mean, two Which is incredible. Incredible. Two totally different piece, you know, people, new dress, new vows, new everything. And our four kids is our bridal. Oh, so beautiful. This is the important thing though. Healing is always up to us, whether you heal yourself and move on. And that's what I did with my family. It was not an option to rebuild. Or if the situation lends itself, if you're willing, and if you want to, Mm -hmm. you can rebuild something entirely new with the person who hurt you. And that's what I did. You know, I I don't believe in repairing with something as big as betrayal. You can't repair, but you can 
rebuild something totally new. Tell us the difference between repairing and rebuilding. I kind of got it when you said something entirely new, but talk to us about the nuances of that. Yeah. You know, one of, there were three groups in the study who did not heal. Mm. And there was a group, one group, and they were by far hands down the most sick. And that was the group where the betrayer had no consequences. Mm. Now, whether it was for financial reasons, religious reasons, they didn't want to break up a family, fear of being alone, whatever it was, they tried to turn the other way. They tried to get over it. Well, tell that to your broken heart. It doesn't work. They and they were by far the sickest. So all that led to was them getting sick and a further deterioration of the relationship. It doesn't work when you try to bring the old into the new. You know, I use this analogy all the time, and I use this in the in the TEDx, and and I'll just share it because it makes it so clear. Here's the difference between resilience and transformation. Like resilience is bringing back, restoring, and that's beautiful. You need that for your everyday. Transformation is a whole different thing. So let's say your house needs a new boiler and you get a boiler. That would be resilience. Let's say it needs a new roof and you get a roof. That would be resilience. Here's transformation. A tornado comes by and levels your house. Boiler's not going to fix it. A new roof's not going to fix it. And, you know, either aren't going to fix it. And here's the thing. You have every right to stand there at the lot where your house once stood and say, oh my gosh, this is the worst thing that's ever happened. And you'd be right. And you can call all your friends over and say, oh my gosh, look at this. Isn't this the most tragic thing you've ever seen? They'd all agree. And you can mourn the loss of your house until your last breath. However, if you choose to rebuild your house, remember you don't have to, but if you choose to, why would you build the same house, right? Why not give it everything the old house didn't have? Why not make it bigger, better, more beautiful? Uh That's the opportunity Uh after betrayal. Mm -hmm. There's nothing there. Mm -hmm. If you want to, whether it's just a new you a new the us, if that's the, the opportunity, it's, it is totally up to you. But it's got to be because there's death of the old in order to rebirth the new. You can't be the same people with the same behavior. No. There's no, got to be no. rebirth. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then it's beautiful because you're seeing the best in each other. I mean, listen, there's a tremendous amount of healing that needs to happen. And I was that woman who used to judge, you know? And I'll tell you, rebuilding with the same person, and I've been through a lot in my life, there's never been anything harder I've ever done than this. Mm -hmm. But I really gave myself that opportunity. And I said, if I can't, I tried my best and and that's okay. When you feel safe and valued and you, except the studies that I read about this one thing, it was about forgiveness. And it said, if you feel safe and valued and you forgive, you feel better. If you do not feel safe and valued and you forgive, you feel worse. I changed it. My book that's coming out, Trust Again, which is all about healing after betrayal. Mm -hmm. I changed it. And I said, you know, forgive. You should always forgive because that's really for you. But taking it a step further, if you feel safe and valued and you reconcile, you feel better. Mm -hmm. If you do not feel safe and valued and you reconcile, you feel worse. Big difference there. Because whether Mm -hmm. you, you have to feel safe and valued and it doesn't mean you have to recognize. Mm -hmm. Like this is your choice, right? But yet some people do reconcile, you know? Mm -hmm. And some people get stuck in the same patterns over and over again and the same hurt. But then some people like are like you and your husband, Debbie, where you both wanted it and you both were willing to do the work, right? Mm -hmm. And that's so 
critical. Yeah. And you have to be completely willing to have zero understanding or expectation of what's going to show up. Yeah. I had no idea. So I'm going to heal. I'm just healing. I'm going to get myself to my physical, mental, emotional, psychological, spiritual best. And let's just, I have no idea what's going to show up. And here's what happens. I'm going to show this to everybody. You'll understand this so clearly. Here's what happens with relationships. We're here and our partner, friend, spouse, whatever is here, right? And then what happens is we're devastated. And then we, we say, oh my gosh, there's this huge hole in my heart. I just want it filled. Well, the only thing you can do is meet somebody here, right? But here's what I always recommend because my work is getting the betrayed to this best place. So now when you're doing the work and you're doing this, and let's say you met someone here. Now think about what happens. This person's still here and now you're here. So what do you do? You keep doing this. And that's frustrating because you like it up here. Mm-hmm. So then oh you say, love it up here. <laughs> it feels good. So then you get frustrated. You know what? No, I want them to do this. Well, they're not ready. So then you know what happens? You get this. And then this person's like, what's up with you? And you're like, oh, I'm not the least bit interested in you. So here's what I always recommend. You do the work to get yourself so solidly set here where you're not budging. Mm-hmm. And then either like, let's say it's your friends. You don't really mind that, that they're here. It's okay, but you're resonating here. So the only thing you can attract is this. Yes. That's the difference. Yes. That's- so powerful, Dr. Debbie. Like I can't even tell you, you know, whether what kind of relationship, a work, a friend, a love, a family. It's so true as you shift vibrationally. Mm-hmm. And so many women shift in their 40s and 50s. And Dr. Cleopatra and I just spent time with Oprah Winfrey. Ah, bucket list. Uh, and uh, it was incredible. And so one good. of the things that she says is what I say all the time, like the 40s and 50s are your best. You're living your best. Uh, because yes. Women sort of own their power. And when you get here, you're owning your power. You're doing things, your self-care. You're creating that change for yourself mm-hmm. and so that you can be the best version for everybody. But, you know, it also means that people, when you get here, I love your visuals. You yeah, I love them. Like, they're like this, right? You know, they're mm-hmm. okay. You might have people shift out. They yes. go like this, absolutely. Yeah. And you know what I see too, and I love that you said the forties and fifties are just the best. I'm fifty four. I'm having so much fun. Yeah, it's such a it's such it a great shows, yeah, by the way. I was gonna say it shows. Uh, yeah, but you know, but here's the thing too, and this was, and I can run through one of the other discoveries were that. Whether we can stay stuck for years, decades, a lifetime, and many of us do. But if we're going to heal, we will move through five stages. And now we know what happens physically, mentally, emotionally at every stage. And we know what it takes to move from one stage to the next. So now healing from betrayal is predictable. What's so interesting about what you said, when we're stuck, that's a classic stage three. I see it all day long. When we move to that stage four, one of the things, you know, you want me to go through the stages? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, let's okay. do it. Let's, don't just like, you know. All right. We want to hear it all. Yes. Okay. Because then you'll <laughs> see exactly the whole friendship thing where this changes. Because it's yeah. okay. 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 So the first stage is like a setup stage. And, and if you imagine four legs of a table, the four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. What I saw with every single study participant, me included, there's a real heavy lean on the physical and the mental. And we're kind of neglecting the emotional and the spiritual. So what does that look like? Looks like we're really good at thinking and doing. 
not really paying much attention to feeling and being, but it's in the feeling and being that's where our intuition lies. Mm -hmm. So we're so busy getting things done. We kind of turn that down so we could just get stuff done from our to-do list. Not to say if you're busy, it's a setup for betrayal. It's just what I saw every single time. Stage two, here's the shock, the shock. And it's the breakdown of the body, the mind, the worldview. So now we've ignited the stress response. You're headed for every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. Your mind is in a complete state of chaos and overwhelm. You cannot wrap your mind around what you just learned because this was the person you totally trusted. Your worldview in an instant has been shattered. That's your mental model. This person's safe. These are the rules. This is how it all works. And in one devastatingly painful moment, it's all shattered. Here's truly where the bottom bottoms out on us. And and I love that you have uh, parents on the, who are listening and watching because here's an explanation that one of my study participants said. This is how it felt to her. She said, you know what it feels like? It feels like every negative emotion you can experience, getting punched in the gut and losing your child in a crowd all at the same time. Oh, gosh. What parent can't relate to that? Holy right? God. Yeah. So, no, no, so no. that's it. Yeah. Now, so think about it. If you were walking down the street and the bottom were to bottom out on you, and that's by far stage two is the scariest stage. What would you do? You would grab hold of whatever you could to stay safe and stay alive. And that's stage three. Survival instincts emerge. It's the most practical stage. If you can't help me get out of my way. Where will I live? How do I feed myself? How do I get through this experience? But here's the thing. Mm. This is the stage we get stuck in. Once we figure out how to survive, we start thinking that that's as good as it gets. And then we start planting roots there. And then we start, you know, believing, well, maybe, you know, I deserved it. Maybe I'm not all that. Maybe, 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 you know. And then here's, it gets even worse now because then we start getting these small self benefits for being there. You get to be right. You get someone to blame. You get a target for your anger. You get sympathy from other people. You don't have to do the hard work of learning to trust again. That's exhausting. Do I trust you? Do I trust you? I don't know. Forget it. I won't trust anybody. You see? And this is why we get stuck in this stage. But here's what happens. If we're willing, willingness is the biggest word here. If we're willing to give up those benefits, if we're willing to grieve and mourn the loss, because it truly is a loss, and do a few other things, we can move to that stage four. Stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. Here's where you've un- you get it. You're like, my old normal doesn't exist anymore. It's no longer an option. Mm-hmm. This is like, and this is where the friendships change because here's where, like if you've ever moved into a new house, condo, office, apartment, whatever, you know, it doesn't quite have all your stuff there. You know, it's not really homey, but it'll be okay. That's what this stage is. But think about it. If you were moving, you don't necessarily bring everything with you. The things that don't represent the version of you that you want to become don't go. Mm. And here's why in this stage, we don't bring all of our friends with us. If they were one-sided relationships, if they were just all about gossip or low-level energy thinking or whatever, we're changing and we just don't have room for that. And so here's where a lot of people say, my gosh, you know, this is really, I don't get it. Like, I don't feel right with my friends anymore. I just don't. I don't know. I used to be, what's wrong with me? I, I just don't fit. You don't because you're growing. So understand, I want everybody to understand that. Matt, so when they say, is it me? Yes, it is you, but yeah. for a good reason. For a good reason. Right? A good reason. And it's so real. 
But when we're in this space, we've made this new space our home. You know, we're, we're good with it. We're making it work. We can slowly move into the fifth most beautiful stage. And this is healing, rebirth, and a new worldview. The body starts to heal because we're turning down the stress response. Also, we didn't have the bandwidth for eating well, exercising, self-love, self-care. That was like the last thing on our minds. We want to nurture ourselves. We love ourselves. We, we want to take care of ourselves because of what we've been through. Our mind starts to heal. We're making new rules, creating new boundaries. And our worldview is different based on what we've been through. And the four legs of the table, the physical, the mental, now we're also, we're solidly grounded because we're paying attention to the emotional and the spiritual too. Those are the five. That, that was amazing explanation. I love the analogy of the four parts of the table, right? Because, you know, we are multifaceted and instantly when we think of betrayal, you know, we think of relationship betrayal between, mm-hmm. you know, a love relationship. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's so much more than that. And so many people have betrayals. And, you know, I've talked to people about your work and a lot of times people talk to me about work relationship betrayals. I know I've spoken to you about, you know, I had a friend betray me a couple of years ago and actually more than that now. And it was pretty traumatic. And it was that same thing where you, you know, fight, flight or freeze. And I just, Mm -hmm. I froze, was just completely blindsided. Nobody ever expects to get betrayal. No. Betrayed, right? Yeah. And and then I was like, did a lot of praying for this person and then said, you know, my life really, why did that happen? For me, like, I think it also happened because I was shifting and I made her uncomfortable. So that was happening before. And that was actually part of that betrayal. And it was one of the darkest moments, but one of the best moments in my life because a rebirth happened for me and I'm grateful for it. But you're right. When you're in it, it's just mm-hmm. so hard. When people are really in those early stages, I always say you have to believe it. Give it the emotions, right, Mm -hmm. Dr. Debbie? Oh, absolutely. We need to do that. And, and, you know, it's so interesting because being, having had other crises and traumas, I, I, betrayal felt so different to me. I mean, like something I've lost loved ones and I, and I was in, you know, ICU. And, and so, but, but betrayal felt so different. And I asked all my study participants, I said, does that feel different to you too? If you've been through something other than betrayal, in addition to betrayal, hands down unanimously, they said it was different. And here's why. Of course we grieve. We're sad. We mourn when let's say we lose a loved one or there's a natural disaster or whatever, but because betrayal feels so intentional, we take it so personally. So the whole thing, Self has to be rebuilt. We have to heal from a sense of rejection, abandonment, confidence, worthiness, trust. They all have to be rebuilt. So it needed a new name because at first I was studying post-traumatic growth. I always like the upside. And yeah. post-traumatic growth is like the upside of a trauma, how that trauma left you with a new perspective awareness mm-hmm. that you didn't have. Mm-hmm. But it, you don't necessarily have to rebuild yourself after that. But with betrayal, you do. So if I were to give an equation, it would be post-traumatic growth plus rebuilding of the self equals post-betrayal transformation. And those are the strongest people I have ever known who have healed from a betrayal because I believe it's really, truly, other than losing a child, it's one of the most painful of the human experiences. You know, and, and that is like, you know, in you talking about that and even thinking about it, you know, honestly, it's never even come into my consciousness as a, you know, psychologist that it does feel it did feel different to me mm-hmm. because 
And this person did something very intentional, multiple things that were very intentional to me. And I was like, just couldn't believe it. And then you also, you know, you know, that part of you feel like a fool. This is somebody I, you know, loved and trusted and that they blindsided me, did something very intentional, right? So like, you know, this and everybody who's listening or watching us, everybody has experienced portrayal in some way, shape or form. Sometimes it's bigger scale. Sometimes it's smaller scale. A lot of the moms I work with, special needs moms, they experience a lot of rejection. And I say, you know, it's really a betrayal that you're friends with people and then you may have a child with autism. Or in my case, I had a child with, or have a child with Lyme disease and cancer pandas that mm-hmm. affects his mental health. And, you know, we've been completely rejected by people that I was shocked. And actually, even when they would say to me what the things were, Like I had a friend tell me that over this little tiny little incident that happened at a playground, like three years before is why she hadn't invited me over her house. And I thought, oh my God, you wouldn't be able to handle what's going on today. And, you know, then they, you know, they wanted to reconnect. And this is where you, your work's so powerful. You're in charge Mm -hmm. of that forgiveness Mm -hmm. and you're in charge of that connection. Can you talk a little bit about you know, some of the things either in your own personal experience or the study participants experienced with, you know, what are some of the essential pieces for when somebody does want to renew a relationship with people? You know, what are some pieces that need to be in place for people to feel safe? It's such a great question because think about it. This is our safety and security are just such basic needs. And that's what's completely shattered in a betrayal. And trust is so fragile and so sacred. And I look at trust like a brick wall. How is that brick wall uh, constructed brick by brick by brick? Every time there's an opportunity for someone to show that they're trustworthy, that's like a brick in that wall. Another opportunity. There's another brick. There's another brick. There's another brick. And then in one moment like that, you know, what that woman did with you, the brick wall is shattered. So this is why I don't think that brick wall could be repaired. But it can be rebuilt. But how? Brick by brick by brick. Mm -hmm. So it would mean that you would need to be willing to allow for this new brick wall to be brick with, you know, sort of being cautious. And that person has to be an amazing bricklayer and just give Mm -hmm. and show many opportunities. Here you go. See, I'm trustworthy. And it takes time. And this is why when people rush to trust again, when they rush to forgive, it backfires every time because this stuff takes time. It takes a tremendous amount of time. Your willingness will determine how long it takes, but it takes a significant amount of time to trust again. I actually have um, a four-step trust rebuilding process. I'd love to share that if that would help. Please do. And also if you have somewhere where people can access it, if they want download or something, let us know. Yeah. The first I would say for everybody, just take the post-betrayal syndrome quiz because that will show them exactly where they're struggling. Yes. Okay. So as far as trust goes, when you think about it, because in a betrayal, you lose trust in yourself, in your sanity. You're like, am I crazy? It has, it brings everything into question where when you compare to, let's say that like I lost my mom of, Oh my gosh, did I miss her? And if I tell you for years, I would like grab the phone and be like, and I catch myself and it was so hard, but I never questioned my sanity. You know, I never questioned the love betrayal has you questioning everything. Mm-hmm. And so we need to start at the most basic level of trust again, to rebuild it. And I'm talking like 
most basic, like, will the sun rise? Yeah. Seriously. You ask yourself, will the sun rise? I don't know. And then you see every day it does. But you start believing again in the most foundational aspects of life. And then you start, you know, the, the next step would be you have to learn to trust in something like bigger than you again. When you trust your intuition, that is, I call it your internal, you know, it's your internal GPS. I call it a BS meter. Mm-hmm. It, it will never steer you wrong, right? Yeah. But we don't trust in it. So it's like, how can you start to trust in that? Does someone, are there, they're smiling, but their eyes aren't like, not in a, like Botox way, but like in a weird <laughs> way. You know what I mean? Like you yes. ever see those people? It's like something's yes. just not right. Yes, and they're often too young getting Botox. <laughs> what are you doing? Right, whatever. But it's like in that, like if something feels off, trust it and start strengthening mm. yeah. your intuition because Dr. Debbie, you know, I say this, I talk about this a lot um for women. So, you know, women, you know, we're not taught, but most parents are not teaching their daughters to trust themselves. They're teaching them to care for others. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the best way to care for others is to care for yourself. And, you know, we talk about, you know, Me Too and women's empowerment. And you have to listen to your inner voice. And I think one of the greatest gifts parents can give their kids, boys and girls, is to own your intuition, right? Oh, you're um, so right. It's so important. And I remember driving my my oldest, she's 24 now, but when she was going to college and it was 12 hours away to school and we were driving, I go, okay, you know what? I'm going to give you two rules. We have 12 hours and I only have two rules for you. You ready? <laughs> the first one, trust your gut. It never lies. Uh-huh. I thought that, way, you know, if I'm leaving my baby somewhere, I want her to trust her gut. The second rule was, Think about the consequences before you do anything. And if you don't like the way it looks, don't do it. Period. Don't have more than 11 and a half hours. We can talk about whatever you want. <laughs> you know, I mean, those are rules to live by. I feel very grateful that uh, my Italian immigrant parents never put limits on me. And they made, they trusted my, let me, tr- you know, trust myself. And if I said, you know, hey, mom, dad, this makes me feel uncomfortable or I'd like to do this or whatever, they always were like, okay. You know, mm-hmm. they weren't like, no, you know. And so I didn't know that men shouldn't be bold, um, intuitive, and acknowledge oh, that. I didn't know until I went to the real world. Mm-hmm. And more than not, it was other women that tried to limit me. And so what I love about the 40s and 50s of age is that women are like, I'm going to listen to my gut. Mm-hmm. And I do think that's what gets us into trouble and, it, and it's, so important to listen to that. Whatever the process you're going through is, you're talking about, you know, the healing process. It's so important to listen to your gut. The feelings that come up, not yeah. just feeling anxious, but what other feelings are coming up? Absolutely. So, yeah. So I, and I even have more questions that I can have everybody ask. They'll love them, but let me finish with, you want me to finish yeah. with the other yeah, two? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I want to hear that. So you trust in the most basic aspects of life again. So you just have a foundation. You're rebuilding your sense of safety and security. Then you relearn to trust your gut because you turned it down and it will serve you if you strengthen it. Mm-hmm. Now you feel a little bit like a, you have a sense of support. Now you have to learn to trust in yourself again. So you yeah. give yourself little tasks. I'm going to drink those glasses of water. I'm going to go to the gym. And then you do, you know, I'm going to make that phone call. And then you do, I'm going to go to sleep earlier. And then you do whatever it is. And you learn to trust in yourself again. And now it's like between 
having that basic sense of security again, having the basics with like, I trust my gut and I trust my word. Now we can slowly and cautiously learn to trust in others again. At least we feel like we have some support and that support is our gut and, you know, and ourselves. And, and I think that's, that's just so powerful because trust needs to be rebuilt or we're living half a life. Mm-hmm. If we don't trust mm-hmm. again, we're never getting close with anybody again. Yeah. And that's not fair to us. We deserve more than that. I want to ask you, Dr. Debbie, because I think this is so important for somebody who says, I want to trust myself more. I want to trust my intuition more, but I'm not sure how. I'm not sure when it's my intuition. What would you tell them? And I really love this because one of our mantras in the Primester Protocol, helping women to get pregnant, reverse reproductive aging, overcome fertility challenges, is trust yourself, trust in your body, trust in the timing of your life, and trust in the timing of your baby. It's so interesting because I teach a blind fertility syndrome and post trimester growth. And I hadn't exactly thought about this until I'm listening to you. But in a way, these women feel betrayed by their own body. They feel betrayed by life because their bodies aren't doing the thing that is that a woman's body is designed to do that should be one of the most natural things in the world. I know that has a lot of questions wrapped up in it, but I wonder... What would you say to someone who's trying to locate their own intuition to be able to listen to it? And then also to these women who feel betrayed by their own bodies or by what life has handed to them. So with the first one, what I would say is to to start strengthening your intuition. I would come up with two scenarios. And there was one scenario that had you feeling horrible. Go back to that scenario. And remember how your body felt. And I'm sure it was tight and constricted. And, and where did you feel that? Did you feel it in your gut? Did you feel it in your heart? Where did you feel that? And get a really good sense of physically, mentally, emotionally, how you felt. Because that represents a lack of safety, a lack of trust, that feeling. When you have that feeling, lock it in so you remember it, okay? Mm. Then once you have that, I'm sure there was a moment that felt joyful, that felt blissful, where you just were in love with life, whatever it was. You were in nature. You were, you were with someone you love, whatever it was. How did you feel then? Probably felt expansive. How did you hold yourself? How did you carry yourself? What were the thoughts and the feelings that were coursing through you? Mm-hmm. Get a really good sense of that and lock it in. And then when you come across things during the day, what feelings are close? What's a closer match? Mm -hmm. And if it feels like that tight, constricted, that really bad experience, trust it, trust it. But if you feel, if it feels like, well, this is kind of scary, but that feels good. I think there's something good with that. Trust it. You know, I remember one of my mentors said that our gut is 10,000 times more perceptive than our mind. Mm -hmm. We get that gut feeling. And then what do we do? We talk ourselves out of it. It's like, here's this wise inner guide that knows all. And then there's like a bratty 10 year old that's like, no, give me the car keys. I'm driving. And we listen, not because it knows better, just because it's louder. It's right? so true, Dr. Debbie. I watch adults. That's why I love working with kids because kids are like open. That and adults will let their rational brain take over and they'll yeah. outthink them. They'll sabotage themselves. 
Yeah. You're so right. And and that was actually what my first TED uh, TEDx was about. But it's so true. It's like we get we have these conditioned responses, behaviors, beliefs. We're so busy confirming them. And then there's something that's that we think is scary. And I would challenge everybody to change the word scary to just unfamiliar, just yeah. unfamiliar, like everything else that was unfamiliar to you until it was familiar. And now you're good at it. Same thing. How would life look if you stop talking yourself out of things that, you know, because we meet up with our comfort zone and we're like, oh, okay, that's it. That's as far as I'm going. Well, meanwhile, life starts right there, right past it. So what would happen if you met up with your comfort zone and say, okay, thank you so much, but I have a feeling it's really good here and that's where I'm going. Very powerful. I love that guide that you provided. Imagine these two scenarios and lock in what it feels like and compare your experiences to those feelings to know what your intuition is telling you because it's your body telling you, right? It's your body. Yeah. And everybody has a different response. Some may feel it in the chest. Some may feel it in the gut, but what good or bad, whatever, but it's your body's way of telling you this feels right. This feels good. Or this does not feel right. This does not feel good. I, I know we're just about at time, but let me go back to the question about feeling betrayed by your own body and how we can trust ourselves and our instincts and our intuition when there's an instance of feeling betrayed by your own body. And then I'm also really curious to know what you, given what you experienced in your own marriage, in your own family forming and raising, what would you go back and tell your yourself as a pregnant mommy or a new mommy about how to be, live in order to have the life that you want to have before having an experience like this? Yeah, I can share my stories if that serves. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. We would love Perfect. That. I get how nobody could tell a mom when she's done. A mom knows yeah. when she's done. And I had, I was so blessed. I had my, uh, my first two kids, they were 16 months apart, but my mom was dying. I knew she, and that's, that's actually why they were so close in age. And I knew she was dying. And I just, I also knew because my first betrayal was my family and there was something in, and it was intuitive. I said, I have a feeling my family is going to be the one I create, mm-hmm. not the one I came from. So create a big one. <laughs> I knew I wanted this little cocoon thing uh-huh. and, and I just Love knew it. it. And then my mom passed away and then I got peritonitis, which I was in ICU for 11 days. And I and you just, had a new baby. Yeah. I had a 16 month old and a newborn and here I was in ICU. And I just, and it was miraculous that I even healed from that. And that was, that was mindset. That's a story for another day. Anyway, I managed to get out of there, but my insides were ravaged, but I didn't know. And so I had an insane amount of fertility treatment. Because nobody can tell a mom when she's done. And you still and, wanted more babies, but because- Oh, I desperately yeah. did because in my mind, I kind of knew, I don't know why I, I knew, I said, I, I have a feeling I'm not going to be with my family. So make your, make your own. Mm-hmm. And I had a boy and a girl. I was blessed already. I knew I was blessed, but I, I just, in my mind, I wanted to know I, I could do, you know, I did everything I could do. And I went down that road of, IVF and all of it and an insane amount of stuff. And I said, let's just do everything our insurance allows. And then nothing works. And then I I had a miscarriage and it was awful and it was terrible. And we kept trying, 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 trying. And then it was our insurance allowed for like one fresh and one frozen. I remember that was the thing. (laughs) And I was like, okay, let's do this, you know. 
So I went the day that they said, okay, come on, we're, we're ready. We have, you know, a tran- we're going to do a transfer. And I was so excited. And I'm like, okay, here we go. And then as they were doing the transfer, I hear them talking about the possibility that another one was ready. And I was like, well, uh, this is my last chance. So <laughs> uh, come on. And they go, no, well, we don't really do that. You know, we already did this transfer. And I go, well, if it's not going to damage what you just did, I want to come back. This is my last opportunity, period, and done. They call the next day. They say, come back. So I came back. I was all excited to say, okay, 90% chance you're, you're looking at twins. I'm like, bring it on. That's fine. <laughs> I'm making all kinds of arrangements. Like, okay, we're going to have this big family and you know this and that. And, and instead of getting like the one size car, I was going to need the bigger one and the whole thing. And then a couple of weeks later, I miscarried. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, you know, that's it. That was mm-hmm. every ounce of whatever our you know, insurance could provide. And I go, okay, well, um, so I, let me get the smaller car. Cause I don't need the bigger one. Let me do everything that just my family is done and I'm blessed, but now the door is closed. This was what I said. I remember saying, if my body's not going to work, let me just let it look really good. <laughs> so I remember working out like a maniac and I was like, okay, that's it. I'll just get in really good shape. And then I started working out and I started getting really dizzy after my workouts. And I was like, this is weird. I did a test and I was pregnant with my fourth. (laughs) And then then my fourth. And the only thing I can attribute it to was when I closed the door, right? We talked about death and rebirth at the very beginning, right? When I closed the door on, if it's not meant to be, it's just not, that's it. I'm blessed. I'm good. I'm moving on. Totally done in my head. And then there I was pregnant. I could only say and I know that pain of, of trying and trying and people may be saying, well, you have no right to feel any pain. You know, you had two kids already and I get it, but still nobody can tell a mom when she's done. Yeah. And, and in my case, it was, I knew I was leaving the family I came from. And for me, I, it was just my plan. I don't know. And I know how hard it can be and how painful it can be. There's something more at work than we know. And Amen. Yeah. Right. And as much as we can plan and everything else, who knows what we signed up for? Like I told you when that intuitive coach said, Oh my gosh, how you signed up for this and you planned this. I'm like, what? <laughs> so who knows? Who knows? I don't know. I, I would incredible say story. So incredible. Thank you so much, Dr. Debbie, for sharing this with us. Mm-hmm. We would love to have you back. This has been so, so enlightening. Thank uh, you so much. Thank you for being such a leader and authority yes. on betrayal because you really have brought it to you know my attention that it's such a significant issue, such an issue that really yeah. everybody experiences, but doesn't really nobody's really there as a leader except for you. And so thank you again. Yeah. I know you threw a lot of passion into it. So oh, it's so evident. Yeah. It's so evident. Yeah. Thank you. I I could listen to you talking all day, Dr. Debbie. It's Aww, thank thanks. you so much for being here with us. We really appreciate it. And I know you've made a difference for all of the mamas and mamas-to-be who have heard this. Uh, thank you so much. And thanks for the work you both do. It's so powerful. Thank you, Dr. Debbie. Have a great day, everyone. We'll see thank you. Thank you. Bye. Are you searching the internet, Amazon, and Facebook groups 
Looking for therapy techniques to help clients because you just weren't trained on how to do teletherapy? Then the Teletherapy Toolkit book is just what you're looking for. It's the first of its kind guide and it's jam-packed with easy to use and clinically effective therapy techniques that address the most common issues that child and adolescent therapists face today. Go to teletherapytoolkitbonus.com for your free teletherapy session checklist and video made just for therapists.